Good morning. If you'd like to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that will be a launching place for our study this morning, 1 Corinthians 13. I don't have that on the PowerPoint. I'd like for you to read along with me in your own version of the Bible as we think about this lesson this morning. While you're turning there, let me welcome each one and join with Kyle in letting you know that we're glad that you come to be with us today. I've already met some that are guests, and I'll look out over the audience and see others I haven't met. And we're just so glad that you make a, made a conscious choice on this Lord's Day to come and to join our church family and to be here as a part of this worship service. I hope you're edified and uplifted, not necessarily because of me or what I say or any person here, but because of our purpose in coming together as we come to exalt and to worship God and to praise Him, and in doing so that we might edify and uplift each other and draw each other closer to the throne of God. We're just so glad that you're here. I know there are some that I've talked to actually that are looking for a church home. And I would just simply say to you, you found it. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere else to look anymore. We just love to talk to you about being a part of this church family and uh, working and worshiping together with you here at West Main. So thank you again for being here. And of course, it's always good to see our church family that we see each week. Uh, some they maybe have been out with different issues and illnesses are back. And we're glad that you're able to be with us this morning. If you weren't here last morning, we introduced our theme for 2017, and myself and the three shepherds talked to you about this theme, Love More, Give More. And you can read about that in the bulletin today, so I won't uh, resole what I have already written. You can go online, I think, and it's already posted, and you can listen to what we had to say on that occasion. But to really get us focused on where we're going this year and the implications of this theme and, and the applications of that theme, I'd like for us to begin a series of lessons. And this is probably going to entail eight or nine lessons from 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, as I was looking over some survey forms that were done last fall, one of the suggestions made as far as sermons was some more scriptural textual exegesis. Well, we're going to have that for the next eight or nine weeks because we're just going to camp on 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to dig into that and see what it says and what it means and how it applies and how we can put into practice this noble theme to love more and to give more. Beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave itself rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. 
But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I'm entitling this series, Love the More Excellent Way. And the reason I have chosen that for a title for the series actually goes back to the verse that we didn't read at the end of chapter 12. And the reason why Paul refers to love as the more excellent way and then gives this treatise we just read, I think, is because the church at Corinth had a great deal of division among them. They were divided over men. They were divided over doctrines. They were divided, in some cases, over opinions and personalities and all kinds of issues. And in chapter 12, it seems apparent as you read that chapter, and he talks about miraculous spiritual gifts, they were even divided over that. And it appears as you look at this that there might have even been some jealousy among the members over the different gifts that some had. And it seems that some thought that speaking in tongues was something that was to be the gift that was desired. And though he talks about these miraculous gifts and the purpose of them, he emphasizes here there is a unity in the diversity of the body of Christ where people possess different gifts. But when he gets done talking about these different gifts, he concludes this treatise in verse 31. He said, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and I show you a more excellent way. And what is the more excellent way? The more excellent way is what we just read about in chapter 13. And so it would seem to me if we're going to talk about the more excellent way, if we're going to talk about which he says then in verse 13 of chapter 13, the greatest of these, that even taking eight or nine lessons is not overdoing it. If it's the most excellent and the greatest and the best, then we need to take some time to delve into it and to think about what love is all about. I appreciate Stephen leading that song about what is love that, that draws upon this. And the lyricists, as they wrote that in a figurative way, partially at least, and drawing upon the love of God, certainly presented a very beautiful idea of what love is as we not only look to God, but we see the creation of God and the wonder of God. And it kind of reminded me, Stephen, as we're singing that song, how many songs have been penned about love? How many poems have been written? How many articles have been penned? How many sermons have been preached? And yet, if you take the collective nature of all that has been said and done and written about love, we haven't touched the hem of the proverbial garment. It is so deep and so great and so wide. There is so much that we can say about love. He's telling us that love matters most. You see, the first three verses tell me some very important things as we begin thinking in a series about love. That if I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will matter. You know, we are impressed many times by great speakers, effective communicators, eloquent preachers of the gospel, and we all love charisma. We love being stirred and, and motivated and inspired. But in God's eyes, He says, that doesn't impress me at all. 
I don't care what you say. I don't care how well you say it. If you fail to live a life of love, it means nothing. Living a life without love means nothing I say will matter. Not only that, nothing I know will matter if I'm not living a life of love. You may be here this morning and you may have graduated Phi Beta Kappa. You may, you may have been magna cum laude. You may be a member of the Mensa Society. You can have an IQ of 169 and be a genius. You could be a walking encyclopedia of the Bible and quote scripture after scripture. You might be able to parse the Greek and you might be able to know the Bible inside out. And yet, if you lack love, it is all worthless. According to the inspired Apostle Paul, we live in a time where knowledge is exploding. It has been said that our knowledge today is doubling ever six years. Sometimes you read where people say that knowledge is power. And yet all of that, when you consider it, is for naught if that knowledge is without love. Without love, nothing I know will matter, even of a spiritual sense. Not only that, nothing I believe will matter if I don't live a life of love. And he makes this quite obvious here, I think, in, in verse 3. You see, some folks may have great faith. And we place value in the importance of believing. And if we're not careful, we might think that is the most important factor in discipleship. That following Christ is more than just believing. It is more than even having, and I think probably in verse 3 he's talking about the miraculous faith, going back to chapter 12. It is more than a miraculous faith. It is more than a mountain-moving faith. And while faith is important, it takes more faith without love, he says, is worthless. And if I don't live a life of love, nothing I give will matter. Our theme this year is love more, give more. And by the way, we'll say it again. It was said last week and it's written in the bulletin. We're not just talking about financial giving. We're not just talking about when we take up a collection on Sunday. It's way bigger than that. It's much more than that. It has to do with giving of ourselves, of giving of our lives, of giving of all that we are, of taking up the cross and denying ourselves and following Jesus. But nothing I will give will matter if I don't have love. What if I give all of my possessions, all of my money and all of my property and everything tangible? What if I become a martyr for the cause of Christ? And like Stephen, who was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7, what if, like early Christians, I'm burned at the stake without love? The apostle says that it has no value whatsoever. Our theme, love more, give more, is correct, and it's in the right order. The giving is great, but if it's not based on the motive of love, then it is worthless. One popular religious writer summed all this up and put it like this. God says, I can have the eloquence of an orator, the knowledge of a genius, the faith of a miracle worker, the generosity of a philanthropist, the achievements of a superstar. But if I don't have love in my heart, it is worth zero. It doesn't count. Well, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us. So what is love? 
Well, let me suggest three things. One, love is a command. We are commanded to love. In John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, one time when I was studying that, the thought occurred to me, well, wait a minute, this is not a new commandment. You go back to Deuteronomy. And all through Deuteronomy, it talks about Moses told the children of Israel to love the Lord their God with all their heart. It's throughout the Old Testament. And so what did Jesus mean when he said it's a new commandment? I think he meant it was new in terms of significance. It is a new commandment because love now takes on a new meaning. It takes on a new dimension. Because Jesus came as the epitome of God's love, as the ultimate expression of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so God loved and God gave. And Jesus came and he demonstrated that love and he showed that love not only to his disciples but to the world. And so in the very shadow of the cross, just at a time when he was just a little while later to be betrayed by one of these apostles, and denied by another, and all would flee as he hung on the cross dying, that he says to them that the badge of discipleship is love. Really? That's what Jesus said. Now, please be advised what I'm about to say. Listen carefully. I am not disparaging any other doctrine in the Bible or any other teaching. Communion certainly is commanded and vital that we come on the first day of the week. And following the pattern of the New Testament worship and, and the work of the church and its organization, all, all of those are taught in the Word of God and exemplified for us, and they're all important. And certainly to become a Christian, we must, we must die to Christ and, and be baptized in the body of Christ and there meet His blood and allow it to wash away our sins. But isn't it interesting that the badge of discipleship are, is none of those? It's not communion. It's not baptism. It's not perfect attendance. The badge of discipleship is love. That's what Jesus said. By this, all men will know that you are my disciple. Love is not optional. It is not, it's not an opinion. Hebrews 13, verse 1, let brotherly love continue. You can't live without love. Oh, you can exist. But you can't really live as God wants you to live. What is love? It is a command. But secondly, love is a conduct. You see, love is a verb. Love is a behavior. It is an action. It is something you do. It is a way of, of living and acting and doing. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 14, he says, Let all that you do be done in love. And what we're going to be looking at as we go through this series of lessons is looking at actions, looking at things that we do that demonstrate our love. In 2 John 1 and verse 6, Paul, or John said, this love that you walk according to the commandments. And so what I said a while ago was not disparaging the commandments because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That has to do with love, but it is a kind of conduct. You see, a lot that passes today for love really isn't. I suppose that a great many of us here in the audience this morning have, have heard other speakers in this pulpit talk about the word agape 
and how that there's different words in the Greek language for love and agape, and I think it was probably Barclay that started this. It's the high, highest form of love. And that way may well be so, but it's certainly a word that speaks to a love of the will, a love of the mind, a love of a volition. It's not talking about sentimentalism. It's, it's not talking about emotionalism. It's a conduct. And so in our study, we're going to see 15 qualities in verse Corinthians 13 that Paul talks about that describe the character and the nature of love. And just be advised that these are not lofty ideals to be admired, but practical actions to be implemented in our lives. What is love? Love is a commitment. We understand the commitment. We talk about married love. We we take a pledge, we make a vow to literally commit to a contract that says, I'm going to love you regardless, that I'm going to take you in good times and bad times and sickness and health, for better or for worse, for richer or poor, till death do us part. Hey, that's quite a commitment, isn't it? And we understand that kind of commitment to that kind of love. Well, the Bible says that we need to commit our way to the Lord. I see I have the incorrect passage there. It's Psalm 37 and verse 5 is the correct reference. When we commit our way to the Lord, we commit ourselves to loving Him. John 14 and 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. That is a commitment. Our love is seen in daily taking up our cross and following Him. Love is a commitment. But then number four, love is a choice. We choose to love. That love is a decision. It's an act of the will. We can choose to love or we can choose not to love. Many look at love in kind of a way that considers it something that's almost uncontrollable. We speak of falling in love. I mean, it's just all of a sudden you walk along, you just, you just fall in love because you see someone you're attracted to. And then conversely, I've talked to people sometimes and they'll say, preacher, I, I just, I've just fallen out of love. It's just, it's just you, you just fall. You can't help it. Fall in love, fall out of love. It's it just, it just this uncontrollable kind of a thing that, that happens. But the love of which we will be studying from 1 Corinthians 13 is an attitude that in spite of the recipient still chooses to love. You see, love gives a person what they need and not what they want. God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son. You know, even when the world didn't love him, while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, that Christ died for us. That we were ungodly, we were sinners, we, we, we turned our face and our back upon God. Well, God chose to love us anyway. It was a choice that he made. Matthew chapter 5, 42 through 48, Jesus talks about something I think we can understand that definitely is a choice because he says to love your enemies. He said, you know, when you love people that love you and you do good to people that do good to you, he said, well, what's that? He said, the Pharisees even do that. that, that that's common. But what we're called upon is to live at a higher level of love. And so Jesus there in Matthew 5, 42 through 48, in telling us to love our enemies, is, is telling us to do something that doesn't come naturally. You don't just fall into love with your enemy. 
oh, this person hates me and wants to hurt me, but I just can't help but love them. I just fell in love with them. No, you didn't. <laughs> you got to work at it. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's difficult. It's challenging. And that's what love is about. Well, how can I develop more love? Our theme is to love more, give more. How can I develop more love? Well, I can start each day with a reminder. How about a verse of the day? Now, if you're looking in your sermon notes, do you see those verses I have there? And I got a day starting today, actually, I think, on a Sunday, all the way through maybe next Sunday I'll put it in there. Is that in your notes? I hope it is. Just Yeah, okay, thanks for the feedback. I thought it was, okay. So that's your verse of the day. Say, so you don't even have to work at this. Well, you've got to work at it a little bit, yes. But, but I'm going to give you the verse anyway. I'm going to help you start your day. So you can print those out or just write them down. And what if you just got up every morning? I know we've got a daily Bible reading. And I know we have Bible classes. And I know that you have your own study that many of you are engaged in. But you think you could handle just one more verse? That wouldn't be too burdensome, would it? Just one verse? That's all. I'm not, I'm not going to give you just one, just one verse. I looked it up. There are hundreds, hundreds of verses in the Bible about love. So over the course of this series, I'm going to give you a verse every day. Now, I'm going to make it easier yet. I'm going to email this out to everybody so you won't forget it. The people who weren't here, they'll get the verse of the day for the whole week. And then next week, instead of putting a bulletin, well, we might put a bulletin, we'll see. But we'll email it out again. And so you've got that one verse just that day. It'll be a different verse about love. And so my suggestion is that we really get focused upon this theme and we start every day with a verse. And what if we started every day with prayer? And maybe there's something you want to pray about that has to do with love, of loving more, of loving somebody more. Of loving God more. Suppose in your morning prayer that you did that. And maybe you're already doing that, you're already praying, but suppose you just incorporate a love reminder to yourself about that. Here's something else that will help us love more. Tell someone every day that you love them. Now, if you're married, this ought to be really easy. I'm hoping, okay? I'm hoping this is really easy if you're married to tell something. Now, I know us guys, we're a little bit skittish about that. And sometimes we're not as quick. But you know what? You can't say it too much. No woman ever said, he tells me he loves me all the time. I'm sick and tired of hearing it. No woman ever said it. And he won't get tired of hearing it either. You got kids. You can tell them every day you love them. But maybe it's a friend, or maybe it's a neighbor, or maybe you can get on the phone and call a brother or sister, or a mother or father, or somebody else, and say, you know what, I've just been thinking about you today. I sure do love you. Well, after they pick up the phone from the floor, and say, are you all right? You know, that, that just might be a good conversation starter. And they'll feel good, and you'll feel good. Look for some way every day to tell someone you love them. 
And then let me encourage you to attend these Sunday studies about love. Come and take notes and look for applications and, and, and work to make a conscious effort to improve. And, and let me challenge you, and I, I know during the next eight or nine weeks, there's bound to be several people either on vacation or away on business or sick or who knows what that you won't be here on a given Sunday. So let me just encourage you. Our guys do a good job of getting the sermons up online and you can go and you can listen to them. So let me encourage you to do that. And, and when you get done at the end of this series, I, I hope you can take all these notes and put them together and you'll have something that will mean something to you about what love is and how love matters most. Attend and listen to these studies on love. And then look for something to do to demonstrate your love. We've already said that love is an action. Love is a verb. Love is something that you do. And so ask yourself on a regular, weekly, or even maybe daily basis, what can I do to demonstrate my love for someone else? Now, this is going to be easier as we get going in these 15 different qualities because we'll see applications of things that we'll be able to actually put into practice in our lives. Look for something to do to show love. You see, when we love more, we give more. In 1 John chapter 3, in verse 18, John says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I challenge us all, and I challenge myself, to love more and give more. Well, you sure have listened good this morning. Thank you. And thank you for being here. And I hope the Lord will bless us as we seek to dig deeper, learn more, and make the kind of applications we need about the divine love as revealed in His Word. As we close our service this morning, we sing a song that Stephen has suggested that we call an invitation song. And it's an invitation for us to accept the love of God. As we've already noted, God's love has been demonstrated in Jesus. And Jesus leaving heaven to come to earth is a manifestation of his love. I have to believe in an audience of this size, there are one or more that have never come to Christ. You're not a Christian. Why not? Why, why aren't you a Christian? Why would you spurn the love of God? Your creator that cares about you? And sent his son to die for you on the cross? That as we talked about in the supper, that Jesus emptied himself and he gave up all these privileges and prerogatives? Why? Because he loved us. The little song the kids often sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. It sure does. And Jesus said, if you believe that I am he, you will not die in your sins. If you repent, you shall not perish. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Would you do that this morning? Can we help you come to the cross of Christ and accept the love of God while we stand? Oh.